From Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On this bonus episode, Rabbi Goldberg is joined by Rav Herschel Schechter, his Rebbe, and talks to him about what it means to be a halachic man. It's an enormous chus, it's a great privilege and pleasure once again to have the opportunity to have a conversation with Mori Varabi, with Rav Schechter Shlita, and we're so grateful to Rebbe for this opportunity and for this time, and to have a conversation that I think so many people would be curious about, that can be both instructive for how we live our lives and asking shailas and getting psak and following a certain misora of halacha and to also understand behind the scenes the mind of a, of a posek and what goes through the process of trying to answer a shaila and serving in that role. Um, Rav Shechter is not only Rosh Yeshiva Rebbe at uh, Yeshiva Srebitzko Hanan at YU, but Rebbe is also a posek of the OU. Rebbe is a posek of Klal Yisrael who receives calls from around the world on a, on a regular basis. And Klal Yisrael benefited, I personally, we all benefited from Rebbe's Hadracha, Rebbe's Direction, Rebbe's Psak, throughout the whole Corona pandemic. The Shailas that came out, the Tshuvas that came out, that gave us clear, concise, relatable, real directions on what we should be doing communally and for different Yom and Tovim and in our own personal and our own practical lives. And I know that even those who had not considered themselves Talmidim students of Rebbe previously, from different segments of the Torah of the Orthodox world, read and learned and followed those Piskei Alacha and found them to be invaluable. And among the many reasons we are so grateful and indebted to Rebbe was Rebbe's tremendous hard work during that period and now to continue to give us guidance in that area and more. So it's an honor to have this opportunity to have this conversation about the system of Halacha and the system of Psaq. So Paskening Halacha means original Shailas that come up. Um, maybe during Corona is an example, or medical ethics, or technologies changing, discoveries, innovation. So there's original psak. But then sometimes there's a machlokis in halacha, and a person is not necessarily paskening, but they're choosing between two different psakim that exist. So for example, can you open cans on Shabbos? A person learns the sugya, and a person looks inside and sees Rishlom Azaman held this way, and Rabbi Moshe held this way, the Chazanish held this way. Can they decide which one makes more sense to them? I learned the sugya, I see it's a machlokis, of the poskim, and the, the argument that this one made resonates more for me. I think it's more correct, so I'm going to open cans, or I'll choose not to open cans. It's not an original psak someone's making. They're taking the existing psakim and deciding which way to go. I don't think that's right either. If, not, if a person is not on the level that he's able to paskin, he's not really on the level to choose which one of the different poskim he thinks makes more sense either. You have to know so much. There's so much outside information you have to know in order to know which of the three shittas, let's say, makes more sense over here. I don't think so. That's the common shtick now. The boys all learn yeshivas till they get married, and they think they know how to read a Mishnah Bura, therefore they know how to, how to paskin whatever it says Mishnah Bura. I don't think that's right. They don't know how to paskin. We don't always follow the Mishnah Bura. And, uh, and even if you do always follow, you may not realize that there is more to the Shala than what you saw at first, could be that it's more complex than more aspects. I don't think it's a smart idea to uh, any, every bachur who learns in yeshiva, he should be machri on his own, which, which of the poskim he should follow. It could lead to, to actually following contradictory psakim, because yeah. maybe you like Rosh Hashanah over here, Rav Moshe over there, but it's an inconsistent and it ends up being a contradiction. So what does one need to do? One has to have a rebbe, one has to have a dedicated posik and then go through all the areas of Elchah Shabbos, Elchah Kashos, Tavis Mishbach, and say, in any area that's Machlokas, my Rebbe or my Mesorah, how should I paskin in that area? That's the Mishnah in Pirkei Avah. It says, I'll say, you have to have a Rebbe Mufak. 
uh, on the days of the Gemara, those who were Talmidim of Beishamai followed Beishamai. Those who are Talmidim of Beishilu followed Beishilu. Each one follows his Rebbe. For those who are neither Talmidim of Beishamai nor Beishilu, then the Gemara says you go Basaroiv. But those those who are Talmidim of the Miut followed them. The Gemara says also Beishamai Kidurin. Those who are Talmidim of Beishamai followed. That's the main din. You follow your Rebbe Mover. The Torah tells us an institution of Zokan Mamre. Whenever there's a machloikis in town, there are different opinions. It's causing friction. If it's not causing friction, so in Warsaw they should follow the rabbi in Warsaw. In Vilna they should follow the rabbi in Vilna. In Prague they should follow the rabbi in Prague. You don't always have to present all the shadows to Rabbi Yashiv. You don't present all the shadows to the Beznagol. If there's no friction, you leave everything the way it is and say, Every community should follow their rabbi. If it's causing friction, then you have to present the shadow to the Beznagol. And then everyone is obligated to follow that psaq. So you have to take every question in every area of halacha and have one Rebbe that you turn to, one Rebbe Mavak, and ask all those questions so that internally being consistent. So more correct is that you have to have one Rebbe Mavak and you follow everything that that Rebbe says because really in Torah, everything is interconnected. And you may be observing contradictory shittas, maybe that everything hinges on how you read a certain Gemara. So you think that Rabbi Shlomo Zalman's psak makes more sense over here and the Chazanish psak makes more sense over there, but they're contradictory because how do you deal with the other Gemara? So you have to be consistent. You really have to pick one Rebbe. I say So people who are aware of, let's say, certain leniencies or stringencies of Rav Salavechik, but they only keep what makes sense or is convenient, a person has to be consistent, or of, or of Rav Shechter. Somebody knows of a certain psak of Rav Shechter in a certain area and wants to invoke or quote that but is ignoring a stringency in another area, that's not correct. That is correct, that it is not correct, yes. A person has to be internally uh, consistent. Yeah. Can a person have different rebbeim in different areas of halacha? The tars of mishpacha, I speak to this rebbe. When it comes to kashos, I speak to this rebbe. Or even in across areas of halacha, one derech hapsah. I think the Chazanish has a little essay called the Munah Bitochan. So that little essay, written a fancy Chazanish style Hebrew, poetic Hebrew. So he writes that years ago, before the Industrial Revolution, you would have one Rebbe who would paskin on, on Orechaim and Yeridei and Ebenezer, he would give Hashkofe, he would give on Pilpulim on Kotshim. The same Rebbe was the Rebbe and everything. After the Industrial Revolution, so everything is, you divided the, the labor. So one, one person sews on the buttons on the right arm, one person sews on the buttons on the left, and one person makes the pockets inside. There's a doctor for the left foot and a doctor for the right foot. So we divided everything. So the Chazanish was an expert in, in Erevin. So Rabbi Chaim Oizer consulted him when Rabbi Munk from Paris sent to Shaila in the middle of the war. Second World War about the Arab in Paris, so he sent a letter to the Chazanish already lived in Eretz Yisrael. And then when Abraham Moiseh had a Shaila in Hilchas Mikvoz, so he sent a Shaila to the Chazanish's brother, who was an expert on Mikvoz. Chazanish knew Mikvoz well also, but apparently Abraham Moiseh felt that Rabmer Karel, his brother, was a bigger expert in Paskening on Hilchas Mikvoz, and the Chuba was written in the Broadway Central Hotel in New York. That's what he writes there. So after the Industrial Revolution, everything is divided. So every yeshiva has a mashgiach who gives hashkoche, gives musar, hashkoche, hashkoche. Then they have a posek who passes. Then you have the rebbe who says, the pulamanigamar, we divided everything. 
And then sometimes this Pesach is an expert in Erev, and he's an expert in Paris HaMishpacha, the other one is an expert in Hilchah Shabbos, each one is an expert in something else. We live in a generation where it's hard to have one person be the expert in all areas, and we hope that they're not contradictory psokim when we follow the expert in Erev, and the other one is the expert in Paris HaMishpacha, we hope that they're not contradicting each other. But really, more correct would be if Haseluch HaRav, one Rebbe, or it's hard to have one Rebbe Mubak, so maybe if you have a group of Rabbi Mubakim, so then you follow the majority, the consensus of the group whom you consider your Rebbe Mubak. By the Ashkenazim and by the Svartim, probably let's say each group has, let's say, 500 Rabbonim Mubakim. We all follow the Rambam and Rashi and Rabbi Vitam and the Ri and the Ramban and the whole, and then the Ashkenazim follow the Chayodim and the Mishnah Brewer and all, and the Svartim follow the Ben Ishchai and, the, and the whatever, all out of the, I don't even know the names. So it comes out that each group has 500 Rabbonim Mufakim that they look up to, and each group follows the consensus. So the consensus by the Svartim is going to be in one direction, consensus by the Ashkenazim is going to be another direction. Because we don't have really one Rebbe Mufak. We have a group of Rabbonim Mufakim. Then you follow the majority opinion. So coming back to the question of what are the criteria to be a POSIC? So knowing Kola Tarakula, not just being an expert or not even just being knowledgeable or literate in one area, having a certain heck of having a certain understanding of Kola Tarakula. But let's say a person learns and, and is literate in Kola Tarakula and they're coming to a different conclusion than the Chazanish, then Reb Moshe, then Reb Shlomo Zaman. What right do they have to argue? What right do they have to put their head between these great mountains, between these great people? Maybe they should say, if, if I come to a different conclusion, it must be because I'm wrong. What, what makes them entitled to, to Paskin for themselves or for others? That's a very serious question. How does a person know whether he's a Chacham Shehigil or a Ro? We have, uh, they keep on printing Kisviyat from the days of the Bali Atoisvis. They found Kisviyat. Some of them are utterly ridiculous, just like we have people putting out Svarim today that are utterly ridiculous. And the days of the Bali Atoisvis, they have Talmidim who are writing things that are ridiculous. Uh, I remember once someone gave me a matona set of Shabbos and uh, we were on vacation in the mountains. So uh, one night after I finished learning with the boys on that Thursday night, so I was looking in the safest and my wife see, my wife was knitting uh, something and she asked me, what's so funny? I'm reading a tshuva set, what's so funny? So I said that Yankel uh, Halberstein gave me this matona set of sorm. It's entertaining, it's humorous, silly. This Paisik wrote Shuvahs are utterly ridiculous. And every generation, there are people who wrote. So that's very difficult. How does a person know how to judge on himself? That is a Chacham Sheigiel or And every generation, there were people who thought that they were God's gift to the world. They were not exactly uh, their gift to the world. That they hear, okay, but not in Sakhalacha. That's a very tricky thing. That's uh, not so easy to decide on your own, that you're a Chacham Sheigiel or Not everybody has smicha. Not everybody who knows how to, how to read Gemara is a Chacham Shehigiel. You have to have more than that. And, and to have a right to disagree with those who came earlier? Reb Moshe, how did Reb Moshe know he could disagree with those who came earlier? That was uh, right. That was after, uh, after Reb Moshe published all this Islam. There was a certain prominent Chacham in the New York area who published a Sefer attacking Reb Moshe such a Balgaiva, how does he have the chutzpah to disagree with the Chsam Seif and the Zadi and the Shach and the Bir Agro? So Moshe was very hurt, and he said, I don't think I'm bigger than them. Those who knew, I knew Moshe a little bit. He was so humble. He was ridiculously humble. He, he was so friendly with everybody. 
He wasn't arrogant at all. He was unbelievably humble. But he said, he thought he was entitled to an opinion. And he, he said, if he's entitled to an opinion, he's entitled even to disagree with the others. He said, maybe he's not entitled to an opinion. But he says, he didn't, he didn't want to give his opinion. But people pressured him. Rabbanim were insisting they want to hear his opinion. So he said, okay, if they want to hear my opinion, I'll give him my opinion. I have to give my, you have to give your honest to goodness opinion, even if it's a disagreement with the others. He said, there is no din that uh, because the some surfer was a bigger genius and he knew more than me, I have no right to disagree. Maybe I'm not entitled to an opinion at all, but if I am entitled to an opinion, if I'm a chacham shigil, I'm entitled even to disagree with those who are greater than me. So if we could turn to Rebbe a little bit. Um, there are Rashi Yeshiva and Magide Shir who are not poskim. There are poskim who are not giving Shir in the Yeshiva. They're not Rashi Yeshiva. Rebbe, of course, I think was one of the youngest, if not the youngest, appointed as a Rashi Yeshiva, as a Magid Shir in Rabbi Yitzchak and continues to serve in that role uh, today, Rashi Yeshiva, Rashi Yeshiva. And at the same time, is a posek to Klal Yisrael for the OU, any consumer of OU products anywhere in the world, is, is a Talmud, is relying on Rebbe's psak because that's what's guiding the OU and on so many other areas. So when did Rebbe, who was giving shir at a young age and, and was on the trajectory of being a Magid Shir, a Rosh Hashiva, when did being a posek, when did Rebbe also begin to answer halachic shaylas and begin to add the track of posek? I'm not sure exactly. It could be quite about 30 years ago, Rabbi Ganak asked me to join the staff at the OU to work on issues in Kashris at that time. I was fully, and that was I was fully mishuvah to the yeshiva. Yeshiva paid me a full salary. It's not that givaldic, but they pay me a full salary. So I felt mishuvah all the time. So on Fridays, I used to learn in the base medrash, I learned at home. I used to learn with other rabbis and with talmidim. And at that time, when Ganak asked me to come into the office on Fridays and to work on issues on kashrus, I asked Dr. Lim, uh, "Does he think it's a good idea? Does he give me permission? Because I'm mishuvah to be full time in the yeshiva." So he thought about it seriously for a couple of weeks. Then he called me back and he said, he thinks it's a good idea, it'll be good for me and good for the yeshiva, that I'll develop a new expertise in Pesach HaLoche. And, um, and he gave me permission to take time off on Fridays to work on kashas. So um, most of the shilas, I don't know, most, many of the shilas that I have to be machria on are things that I heard explicitly from Rabbi Soloveitchik. If you learned long enough by Rabbi Salavetchik, you heard so much about Pesach HaLocha. Rabbi Salavetchik had many traditions on Pesach HaLocha. He had a, here and there he had an original Pesach, but most of the Hanhogas that he had, and most of the Pesachim that he gave were traditions that he had, either family traditions or traditions from Balozhin or from Adagdailim. And um, like uh, most of the issues that I wrote about for Corona were all things that we discussed over all the years, whenever you learn Gemara, eh, the Gemara considers the highest level of learning when you learn after you learn the whole Gemara, you come up with the Maskanas, a bottom line, how do we paskin? And what's the Ikeb and what's only a Chumra? So these are things that whenever you learn Gemara, you come to that Maskana. And uh, we've been, whenever I give Shiur and Gemara, I always come to them. That's how Rabbi Salvechi gave this year. We'd always give a background, then it work out the Pshat. Then he would say, in review, so what did we say? According to the Ramam, the dinner's like this, according to the Taisa, the dinner's like that. He would always review what's the Maskana Sadvarim, Aloha Lamaisa. They say that uh, when Rabbi Yashiv was a young man, he was learning a Nikailo, so uh, he would learn the Gemara with the commentaries, and then he would learn the Torah and the Besyasiv in the Shulchan Aruch. 
So they were all making fun of him. All of the Chaderim and the Kerl were making fun of him. And he had the last laugh because uh, later, years later, when Ashayla came up, he had already worked out the whole thing. When he was learning the Gemara, he learned it to the Basilisim in the Shulchanah. So he came to a Maskana. And when they asked the others, they had to start starting, they had to start all over again to go through the Gemara and to see what everything was all about. That's the highest level of learning. When you learn every Gemara, La Sukhishmaitz, I leave it at So I always like the Shilas on Corona were all old Shilas. I, I don't think there were too many new Shilas there. They were all old Shilas. And uh, most of the Shilas in Kashmir, so you see the OU, the OU, there's a din. Taisis and Sochem has this. Yerushalayim is a city where they come from all over the world to Yerushalayim. So when you have a mikveh in Yerushalayim, you have an Erev, it has to satisfy all the opinion. New York City is a big city. Miami, they come from all over the world. So the Erev in Miami has to satisfy all the opinion. Not enough that the rabbi in Miami is Lababuchi, he's following the Alter Rebbe. Not all the people that come to Miami are from the Alter Rebbe, not all uh, Lababuchi Chassidim. So the OU also, the OU gives Hashgoche, people, the Chassidim, the Masagim, the Galatziana, the Litvaks, the Yekes, everybody eats from the OU. So we always have to be machmum. Whenever it's your dua that there's a shita, a prominent shita, that something is also, we can't be making, even, even if we're all convinced uh, against that shita, we're catering to the whole world, so we have to be machmum. If it's a new issue that, uh, that they don't have a tradition that to the chubra on it, so then we're entitled to be makal. And if they ask us, we're, we're very transparent and we're talking about all of Apsokim are based on. And many yeshivas where they're learning Yeridea, so we make available to them, to the boys who learn Yeridea, they make available all the tshuvas that we wrote. Ah, the rabbi, please give us input. If you don't agree, let us know. And sometimes we'll change our policy. If they bring up a, a good point, we'll be, we'll be machma, ameko, whatever. Mm, so, so Rebbe's career, so to say, in the world of Psak, as a post began really with the OU? With I think that. so. I think and then so. from there expanded, people bring end-of-life shilas and all kinds of other areas of of halacha as well. Rebbe obviously mentioned having heard so much from the Rav, so the primary Shima Shimsak would, would be from Rav Soloveitchik. Are, yes. are there others from whom Rebbe would consider he got a Shima Shimsak? I use the Rav Moshe a lot, but I use Rav Moshe in the Chuvas. I use Chacham Avadya a lot, but just from the Chuvas, not in person. See, Chacham Avadya, my impression is that he didn't really have personal Shimush from Rabbein. He learned everything from Svarim. So that's why a lot of times he'll come to a maskana uh, counting up. He knows 25 svarim and uh, 15 svarim say in one direction, 10 say the other way, so he goes basurai. Absolvechik had traditions on a lot of these things. So Absolvechik uh, would tell you who the tradition is from. This godel, that godel, not, all, not always from the family. Sometimes some other godel in Europe. So I, uh, Dr. Lamb, once recommended that I should go to Eretz Yisrael. I should take a, a sabbatical from yeshiva. I should go to Eretz Yisrael for a year, and I should get shimash from Chacham Avadia. So I told him, uh, no, thank you. I don't follow Chacham Avadia's. His form are beautiful. He quotes, he quotes all, all the poskim, and he always explains the pros and the cons, the strong points and the weak points, and everybody's truths, and he comes to a beautiful Moscone. But he's not based on traditions. I said, if, if I would go for Shemesh, I, I would go to Rabbi Yashiv. Rabbi Yashiv had, had traditions. My impression was he had oral traditions from living Talmud HaChavana, not just from reading Svarim. So there's an enormous role of Mesorah in Psak, not just to analyze intellectually or academically, but to have a Mesorah of 
in all the years at the OU with Rebelski, Zichron Levracha, was it clear Rebelski's Misora? Was it similar to Rebbe's? Was it different? Was there different conclusions halachically? Did Rebbe pick up anything from Rebelski's style of soccer from the Misora that he had from Reb Moshe? Rebelski had a lot of traditions from Reb Moshe Feinstein, from Reb Yankov Kamenetsky. He would quote a lot from Reb Yankov Kamenetsky. Uh, a lot of times we would disagree. So the OU, when they gave Hashkocha, would try to see to it that they should give the Hashkocha in such a way that it satisfies both opinions. It's interesting that Rabbi Belsky would write his opinion. I would write my opinion. In the first couple of years, we were both there on Fridays. Then after a while, the OU became, at that time, the OU was a very small outfit. They didn't have so much work. There were only three Rabbonim in the whole office. And then it expanded. Now it's tremendous. There are many more products and many more Rabbonim in the office. And this rabbi is in charge of all the milk in the world. That rabbi is in charge of all the fish in the world. This rabbi is in charge of all the spaghetti in the world. So each one is an expert in his field. And, um, and then, as it turned out, Rabbi Belsky would come two days a week. I would come one day a week. So we wouldn't be there the same time. Rabbi Belsky would write his opinion. I would write my opinion. And I would study what he wrote. And he would study what my And we would come to a conclusion. We would work it out together. So it's interesting. On one occasion, there was a Shaila. And he wrote his opinion. I wrote my opinion. Then 20 years later, the exact same Shaila came up. We forgot what we had said the first time. And I wrote my opinion like he said the first time. He wrote his opinion like I said the first time. We were both impressed so much by the other one's tshuva that each one gave in to the other. And so then we had to make up shore the second time again, like we made up shore the first time. Hmm. But that was, they pointed that out once at a meeting, that uh, 20 years later the same shayla came up, and I wrote like my Belskin, he wrote like I said. So, so Shemesh is critical in Psaq. Person has to have Minig, a yeah. Shemesh and Misora. It's not enough to read books or do a Google search on the internet and add up all the different opinions. Or I, I dug up or I found somebody on the internet who found a manuscript and therefore I could, there has to be a Misora with Psaq. That's for sure. There's a line in the Ramam, Rab Salvechik used to point out. The Rambam is of the opinion that today you shouldn't count 7777 to establish one Shemitah. After seven Shemitahs, you have to count the blank year and then to push off the next Shemitah. That's how we paskin, that uh, it's the, it goes in units 50 50, it doesn't go 7 7. Every 50th year is a blank year, even though we don't observe year, it should be a blank year. But then the Rambam says the Goyenim say not so, that you count 7 7, and you don't count the blank year of the 50th year. But the Rambam says it doesn't make sense to him, he thinks the Goyenim are against the Gemara. But what can I do? The Goyenim lived in Eretz Yisrael. They were Goyenim in Eretz or Goyenim in Bavel. They lived in Eretz Yisrael, and everybody followed their opinion. So he says, the Masora is an Iker Godlim Sakalocha, and we have to follow the Goyenim. So even though it doesn't make sense to me, you count 7-7. Seven, seven. So the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam, and he says, no, we should follow the Rambam. Rav Salvechik said this is the only place in the Rambam, to his, the best of his memory, that the Rambam paskins against the Rambam, and the Ravid says, no, you have to paskin like the Rambam. But the Rambam paskins against his sheet, the wife, he says, Masora is an Iker Godel in establishing what the din is, even though logically, based on the Gemara, he thinks it should be 50-50, and the Yoibal year should be counted as a blank year to push off the next Shemitah. But he says, the tradition was not so, so whatever the explanation is, we don't follow my logical line. We follow what the tradition wants. So you have to know what are the traditions. Rav Salvechik was very heavy with a lot of traditions. A lot of times he would say something dramatically in a public address or in a, in a shir. And people would think that he's making something up on the spur of the moment. He wasn't making it up. 
It was saying all the family traditions are traditions from Balazhin, traditions of Msaq Kalachin. Years after he passed away, now we say a lot of times our Moshe said the same as Rav Soloveitchik. And Madiyadik Dailam, that was a tradition that, that you're passing like that sheet. So the Sora to be able to, to stay true to it is, is critically important. Sometimes in learning chuvas, a gadol arrived at a psak and is uncomfortable taking that position unless other poskim will also agree and sign on. Sometimes the posik asserts their position even without getting an endorsement or cooperation, collaboration from other poskim. When does a posik need to know that they need other poskim who will say, I'll sign on to with me? And when can a posik take their position even without consulting with others? If it's an original chiddush, matar and agun is a very serious shayla. We're just talking about kashrus is in an isa de anad. I remember in the beginning when Rabbi Belska and I would both come on Fridays, so almost all of the shaylas were how many chumras are you obligated to observe? We weren't dealing with any dinim der isa. How many chumras der Rabbana do you have to observe one on top of the other? And everything was a chumra. Then as the years went on, it came out that we have new shaylas dinim der isa that we have to work on. So if you're just dealing with chumas on top of chumas, then you don't have to have a consultation, you don't have to have the agreement with other But if you're talking about a shayla from Eish a shayla from an aguna, and you came up with the original reason why the aguna should be muta, so that you better have a haskama from other gedolim as well. So Vedic, I remember, once was complaining at the Chag Smicha, Dr. Belkin was officially the Rosh Hashiva, Rav Salvechik officially was just a Magad Shia, so Dr. Belkin was officially the Rosh Hashiva. So he used to speak at the Chag Smicha 10 minutes. He wasn't a fancy speaker. And then he would give over the podium to Rav Salvechik, and every time there was a Chag Smicha, he would deliver a whole major address, a whole drosha. So I remember on one occasion he was speaking about in America, they call up the rabbi on the telephone with the shayla that if they would ask Rav Chaim Moise, it would take him a week to work out a tshuva, and he'll write at the end, he's only meiko, if another two rabbanim will be masking with him. And here in America, they call the rabbi on the phone, they want him to give a psak, and five minutes, over, less than five minutes over the phone. So he was giving a moshal, he said, just last week a woman called him on the phone, her husband is not able to have children, she wants to know, can she have artificial insemination? So he said, he doesn't know. So she says, but Rabbi, they say you are the chief rabbi of America. What's the answer? He says, she doesn't know. Then she asks, but he already had artificial insemination once before, have a baby. You mean to say the baby made me a mamzer? So he says, he answered, she doesn't know, he doesn't know. He kept on saying, he doesn't know. He, was, he says, in America, they call on the phone, they want you to give a psak. Then when Moshe published his psak, that artificial insemination, the child is not a mamzer, Rabbi Zolvechik was misupik for years about that. So when we learned the Gemara and Yavama, so he said, let's not discuss the topic. Ramosha Paskin is not a mamza, we'll assume like Ramosha. Let's not pilpal about it. Mm. He, he wasn't sure whether Ramosha was right, but Ramosha was such a tzaddik, he assumed Islamim and Hashemayim, they gave him a si'ay to the Shemayim not to make a mistake. So if Rebbe's issuing a psak, maybe Rebbe wants to make sure others are agreeing with, or Rebbe's unsure what a conclusion should be, who does Rebbe confer with in areas of halacha? We have big Tamir HaChachamim in the OU. We have a staff there of 25 Rabbanim, so they all pipe in. Everybody gives their opinion, so sometimes it's a joke what they have to say. No, and other times uh, we, we do touch up the Psaq because of what the other, there's a lot of input there. That's in areas of Kashrus, but outside yeah. of Kashrus and other areas of, of Halacha, people come to Rebbe and Rebbe 
wants to consult someone or send someone or bring it up the chain? Where, where does it go today? Really, I really consult someone else. Uh, a lot of times I used to, David Feinstein just passed away, a lot of times when Ramosha has a tshuva on something, and it's not always so clear what the, what the kavan of the tshuva is. I was told that David Feinstein was there when the father was working on the tshuva, that he knows he knows all the tshuvas, he knows I wonder what circumstances the tshuva applies when it does. A lot of times there's, there are conditions missing. Moshe doesn't always write all the details of the tshuva. So a lot of times David Feinstein would know it only applies under these circumstances. I would recommend a lot of times people should ask David Feinstein on some of these serious shamas. More than once, quite a few times. What interaction did Rebbe have with Rav Moshe directly? He was asking Shailas and Halacha? Moshe, very little, very little. It was outside. I just had Rav Moshe from from this mm-hmm. And did Rebbe can can Rebbe pick up from from the Igros Rav Moshe's Masora, or because he leaves so much out? I couldn't pick up. No. A lot of times, Rav Moshe and Rabbi Soloveitchik said exactly the same. Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rabbi Soloveitchik's mother were first cousins. Her maiden name is Feinstein. And um, so a lot of times they say exactly the same. They had the same tradition from Balazhan. Well, how important is it to know the person asking the Shaila in order to not, not, not have different halachic conclusions that would be contradictory and inconsistent, but to taper a psak to the person based on where they're at and to pick up a little bit what the real Shaila is behind the Shaila or issues in Shalom bias or to understand what kind of shas al-chak it is for that person. That is certainly true. A lot of times in one person it's a shas al-chak and there's room to be made on the other person, not. But also a lot of things in Shulchan Aruch HaChumras are not meikar adin. So it depends how do you lead the rest of your life. Like the Gemara has an expression, if a woman is dressed beautifully, dressed up for a wedding, then she puts on jewelry, she looks even better. But she's wearing a nightgown, she's wearing pajamas and she puts on jewelry, she looks like a joke. So you have people they're not careful, of, they're not so careful about Lashon Har, not so careful honesty and business. All of a sudden, they have a chum in the middle of nowhere. The chum doesn't fit in with your style of living. It, it, so sometimes we will recommend, the chum is that I recommend in the Shulchan A person whose life is a Torah life, if the person is not the machmer in the rest of his life, so it doesn't make sense to say machmer here either. So you just tell them what the basic thing is. So it's important to, to, to know the person asking the shayla. Always, and to, yeah. And to taper. That's probably why Rab Salvechik didn't like to write the tshuvas, because once you write a tshuva, then it's etched in stone as if that's it, Leonel Wood. And that's not that's it. The world keeps on changing, number one, and the psak doesn't always apply to everybody. So each case is slightly different from the other. Case. People are different, so it's not that even if it's the same Shaila, but the, the whole circumstances are different if it's a different person. Not necessarily going to be the same stuff. So, and what's the role of, of meta halacha in halacha? And what I mean by that is sometimes there are the strict variables of the halachic question, and sometimes there are broader or meta halachic uh, implications of that psak. So, the Mishnah says tefillah and technically you could have it in English, but some so far others understood that if we allow the siddur to be translated to German, it'll be a slippery slope, and that'll be, and so that's a psak that really is not consistent with what the core halacha is. But it's incorporating the meta halacha with a certain vision of the posseik that understands being roas anolad where it can go. So we're living in a time that there's all kinds of other implications of the person sometimes asking shaila. There could be other motives and other agendas and other movements and other things that could taint, could taint the halacha. So when, when do we say that the posseik has to be intellectually honest? This is the halacha, these are the makoros, 
this is the truth, it doesn't matter why the person's asking. And when do we say that you have to know, you have to, the post is wearing glasses that they're able to see what the other person can't see. They're, they're, they have a vision of meta halacha, they understand the broader implications and where it could lead and, and different movements of Kal Yisrael. What's the role of meta halacha in halacha? I don't know if you can go to meta halacha. Yavishayla, let's say, can you dive in and German? So you're looking, and that's Simon and Shulchanach, Hilchas Tvila B'chaloshim. So based on that Simon, it's okay. But you have other Simonim and Shulchanach, they Shailet. The answer won't always necessarily be found in that Simon and Shulchanach where you think it belongs. There's another part to the Shailet that if I start observing this din, I'll always dive in German. This will lead to other Kilkulam. I won't even bother to learn Hebrew, and I'll associate with, with the Goyim and with the Reform. So that's part of the Shaila. So, so that's another consideration. You're not allowed to do something that may lead you to do an Issa. I guess the meta halacha component is for the post to know which simon trumps the other, supersedes the other. That's yeah. where the meta halacha of okay. the vision comes in. So that comes from, that eye on meta halacha comes from Mesorah. It comes from Soda Shem Lirev, Siata Deshmaya. We hope that the post has what determines we're living in a time, again, that a person has a, an internet connection and a keyboard and they decide they're a post and they're not living with that meta halacha. So we, Klai Yisrael, the consumer, when we talk about Misora, how do we define Misora? Who's, who's one of the Balin Misora? Who in any given generation is, is a link in the chain of the Misora? And who is operating outside? Who might be threatening to break that chain of the Misora? We know who they are. Okay. I was fortunate. As a, I was born in the middle of the Second World War. So my rabbin, when I was in elementary school, were big Tamir Chachamim. And they were teaching us Chumash and Rashi. They knew all, they didn't have to get a translation or anything Rashi. They knew all the Taisus and all the Pnei Yeshua's on the Gemara. They knew the Gemara's from the Gemara. They didn't need Rashi and Chumash to tell them. And when I had a Rebbe for Haskolah's Gemara, for that, they knew all the Gemara's already. I was lucky in a certain sense. I had big Tamir Chacham teaching me as a young child. The Prima Godim used to be a Malamed of young children. Prima Godim was a Malamed of young children. The bigger the Rebbe is, so... Uh, so the better he'll be a rabbi. Yeah, you have to know all these things. We can tell who the Balimas are, who the people are still wet behind the ears, and who the people are carrying on all the traditions from the previous generations. Rebbe answers Shilas from around the world. I know I've called Rebbe countless times with Shilas from our community, personal Shilas, and the Dvarim Ha'um de Merumashalolam. These are enormous Shilas with, with the greatest implications of life and death. And uh, Rebbe's deciding end of life issues and uh, issues of people who are lonely and issues of people trying to have children or when when would an abortion be permissible? D- does a posek lose their sensitivity? They hear these shilas, they deal so much like a doctor who treats the terminally ill could lose the sensitivity to the value of life or the pain of others. Is it struggle for a posek for somebody who gets these shilas to maintain the sensitivity, or the opposite? If the sensitivity is there, is it a struggle that that the posek is bearing the burden of cholesterol? How do they sleep at night? How do they dive in there thinking about all these people and so much pain in the world? Very often I'll cry when they tell me the shayla. Even I heard the shayla a hundred times. I'll cry when the shayla, yeah. I, I don't think I lost my sensitivity. But is it hard then to... Uh, I've seen and experienced Rebbe maintaining that sensitivity. So it is, is it hard to be so sensitive? And therefore with each of these phone calls, with each of these shaylas, with each of these meetings to emotionally become drained or to the tefillahs to become filled with the names of all of these people. How, do, how, does one, how does one bear that burden? You bear it? You survive? Yeah. So in Allah, 
a general answer to where there's a rabbinic world, there's a halachic way. Is it never true? Sometimes true? Always true? Whenever it's possible to be lenient, the rabbis find it important to be lenient. The Gemara complains there was a, a chotzer where they didn't make an error. They didn't put away a box of matzahs. So minatori, you're allowed to carry. Midirabon, you're not allowed to carry. And there was going to be a bris on Shabbos, and they, in the days of the Gemara, they had to bathe the baby with warm water before and after the bris to prevent infection. So they had water prepared, then all the water spilled. So then the Gemara says, why wasn't there an error? If two Rabbanim live in the area, they didn't make an error. So they quote in Shulchan for that Gemara. You see that that's the responsibility of the rabbi. Whenever he can make life easier for the Balabatim, he has an obligation to it. He can make an error, make an error. The Gemara says each one is busy with other things, but it's not right. Whenever it's possible to make an error, you to make an error. Either rabbi wants to be machmah, he doesn't want to, for various reasons. Every error is based on kula. The rabbi, so you don't uh, don't carry, but you can't be machmah on the expense of the balabatim. And brisk there was an error, and the rabbi didn't carry, and radin there was an error, and the chavetz chaim didn't carry. But he may he supervised the error for the balabatim. You have to have an error. When there was an Erev in Yerushalayim, Rabbi Herzog didn't carry, many tzaddikim didn't carry. They wanted to be machmer, but you have an obligation. The Balabatim are not mechuyiv to be machmer for all the shittas in the world. You have an obligation to, Rabbanim do have an obligation to figure out the kula, to make life easier. The Gemara talks about uh, Agavra, the Gemara says, if you stand up for a Sefer Torah, you certainly stand up for a Tamachachim, because the Tamachachim is greater than the Torah. Because in the Torah it says you give 40 times Malchus, and the Talmud Chacham says you only give 39 times Malchus. So they point out, one of the great uh, Rabbanim from Europe pointed out before the war, see a Gavra, Gavra, Gavra Rabbah is the one who knows how to find the Kula, not that he knows how to find the Chumrah. Any moron can be Machma if you don't know that, then you can be Machma. But to find the Kula, and the Chumrah says 40 Malchus, and the Torah Shemalpeh says 39, so that's the greatness of the Torah Shemalpeh. They know how to find Kulas, not how to find Chumrahs. So it is, in a certain sense, it is correct. The Rabbanim have an obligation to make life easier for the Balabatim. But sometimes uh, it's just Kenegir Adin. You can't do anything. So it'd be more accurate to say, where there's a halachic way, there should be a rabbinic will. Okay. That's, that's the better way to say it, a more accurate way. Okay. Um, Rebbe's been giving psak for many, many years and gets lots of shilas. And Rebbe's mentioned that many or most of the shilas are a repeat of what Rebbe has a Masorah for, what Rebbe's already worked out. Uh, is there an area of halacha that still is uh, is difficult to, uh, when the when the phone rings and that's the shaila um, of all the shailas through the years? Are there any shailas that stand out for Rebbe that were the most difficult that Rebbe's ever had to deal with? Things that I, things that I have not worked out, I sent to someone else. I have no time now to work out uh, new shailas. But is there an area? Or is there a particular shaila, uh, a life and death shaila, medical ethics, a terminally ill patient? Is there a shaila that stands out? Is there a shaila for an organization, for an institution, a klal Yisrael, Hatzalas Yisrael? Is there a particular shaila or area of shailas that stand out? Right now, nothing happens to come to mind. Okay. Um, we, have, we have different misora, the, the different Bali misora of halacha have very, very different styles. And some of them seem to have entered the system of learning halacha, and some remain on the periphery. So the Mishnah Bura is a very different style than the Arach HaShulchan, and the Chazanish Rav Moshe might have different styles. Can Rebbe speak to the different styles? What's the difference between the Mishnah Bura, the Arach HaShulchan, the different Misoras? What do we embrace? What do we not embrace? Is there, are there rules to what we embrace? Mishnah Bura won popularity. Rebbe's talked about when he received his first 
copy of the Mishnah Bura and how earlier we used to learn the Chayadam, the Ketzer Shachan Arach. Is it like the Sefer Torah Beheichal that it has Mazel, which becomes part of the halachic system, or is there is there a strategy to which have become incorporated into the halachic system? The Arach Shulchan has a style. He'll present. He starts from the beginning. He quotes the pasuk. He quotes the Mishnah. How the Torah Shemalpeh understands it, and now how Rashi understands, how Tais understands, what the general accepted opinion is. Then he'll ask Akasha, and he'll give a balabat to Shetaritz, and the Rishonim don't give that Teretz, and he'll go ahead and pass him based on his uh, Teretz. So I was, uh, I was uh, not so thrilled about that. The Mishnah Bura never does that. Mishnah Bura, everything is with Rishonim and Achrainim, he always quotes sources for everything. After quoting all the sources, I'm surprised that he had all these for him. How did he have the Maimah Motchai, which was printed in France? How did he even know that Maimah Motchai existed? How did it, it was just printed a few years before he worked on the Mishnah. I don't know. He had an awful lot of Svarim available to him. And his Psalkim wrote, we don't always follow everything in the Mishnah but everything is based on they worked at a their family work that was a family project to work on the Mishnah Pura, and they learned the Gemara together with all the Mepharshim. Everything is solid. You can disagree with his Maskana, but everything is based on sources. A lot of it is not based on sources. I was disappointed about that in the Aruch In fact, uh, I once read the first volume of the biography of Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky. I think it's called Melech B- something like that. So one summer, uh, I was reading the first one, there are two volumes. So they write when he was, I think, 17 years old, Abramsky, uh, somebody convinced him that he should go learn in Navardak. He didn't realize that that's what the fellow did for a living. He was salaried to recruit for Navardak. He thought that a guy's giving him an Eitzetayba, so he went to learn in Navardak. Uh, so they don't explain why in the book, instead of learning in the base Medrash, in the Vardik, in the Yeshiva, he learned in the Shul. The Orch HaShulchan sat there all day long in the Shul, and he was writing his Orch HaShulchan, writing, 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 writing. Once in a while, he would get up to check a Gemara. Once in a while, get up to check a Rambo. That's how you write a Sefer. You write, and you write, you write. Then once in a while, you check to see. I was uh, disappointed about that. I remember when I told her over that summer that I was doing that, I happened to visit South Africa then. So I was sitting next to the Tanukhachim. So I told him what I read there in the book. So he says, Oh, no wonder there are mistakes in Dorach HaShulchan. He tells me about a certain Dorach HaShulchan also I thought was not correct. But Tzilosim Rube Bechamosa, if the Schach is Tzilosim Rube Bechamosa, but it's very high. And by the time I'm sitting on the ground level, so the sun shine, the sun rays expand, and on the ground, there's hardly any shade at all. It's chamas and meruba on the ground. Does the din of tzilas and meruba depend on the schach? Does it depend where you're sitting? So the gemara of the it depends on the schach. And the Rosh Hashulchan says, fakir, it depends on sitting on the ground. So this fellow tells me, he once asked Rabbi Yashiv, isn't it against the gemara? I said, yes, the Rosh Hashulchan is against the gemara. There were other times also. Moshe has a few times. Orch HaShulchan writes things against the Gemara. He was sitting and writing, writing, and then once in a while he looked up. So it's a little strange. That's a tiny said to have against the Levush. The Levush, the Levush is the most attacked Achran, I think. They say when he wrote his Sefer Psak, he, he just looked in the, in the post, and he did look back in the Gemara. So a lot of times he gives the wrong explanations for the din in the Gemara. It leads him to the wrong conclusions. 
That's how they say when the uh, Shagasai was an old man, he went to take a safer out. I think it was 90 years old or something like that. Went to take a safer out from the bookcase, and the whole bookcase fell on him. He was old and frail, and uh, they had to take all the swarm off to save his life. And he said, it's not going to help. Through his lifetime, he always disagreed with all of these swarm. And now they all jumped him. Mm. They all ganged up, they all jumped him. And he asked him, oh, Mechila. And he says, that we're all Mechila except for the Levush. Because he was Mavaz of the Levush more than everybody else, because the Levush has so many mistakes. That's not what it says in the Gemara. The Levush is strange. That's, I, I wasn't so keen about the Orach HaShulchan for that reason. Mishnabura in contrast, Mishnabura is a staple in every base medrash. In our yeshiva, we used to have Mishnabura Bechinas. I don't know if yeah. they're still doing it today. We learned the Mishnabura. So how did the Mishnabura enter, so to say, the canon of, of learning halacha? It became the default in yeshivas that you learned through the Mishnabura. My impression is because after the war, there was such a churban hatayra. So many yeshivas were destroyed. So many svarim, so many tamina were killed. So all of those who survived, everyone had passed through Radin at some time or another either to learn a Radin as younger children, or to ask a broche from the Chafetz Chaim, or to ask an Eitzah from the Chafetz Chaim. My father-in-law never learned a Radin, but he came to ask an Eitzah about how to be potter from, from the draft. So everyone had a Shaykhaz with Radin. So they were all sort of, in a certain sense, Talmidim of the Chafetz Chaim. So when they were restoring the Torah after the war, in America, in Europe, and in Eretz, all over the world, these were people who had a Shaykhaz with the Chafetz Chaim. So that's why the Mishnabura became accepted. We don't always follow the Mishnabura, but uh, fantastic say It's always very solid with quotations. Everything is based on Rishayinim and Achreinim. When did Rabbi, when like did Rabbi first get the Mishnabura? I think I was married six years. My father never had a Mishnabura. My father got a Mishnabura after I left the house, after I got married. My wife bought me by my birthday around six years after we were married. So fantastic Sefer. When we learned Shulchan Aruch Arachaim, Rabbi Salavetchi gave Shem. He didn't use the Mishnabur. He used the he didn't he didn't use the Taz. He used the Magen Avram and the Bira Gra. Why not the Taz? They had a family tradition that uh, the Taz is usually not accepted. He told the whole story, and he told us it's a it's a true story. He heard it from his father, that when the Shach wanted to publish his commentary on Shulchan Aruch. So yeah, I had to have the Haskam of the Vadar Barotzes. And the Taz at that time was the Skan Harabonim. He was the oldest member of the Vadar Barotzes. So he looked through the Shach, and he realized that it's fantastic. It's much better than his Sefer. Taz hardly had any Swarm. Taz hardly had any Swarm. The Shach died at a very young age, and he had access to everything. He had all the Swarm from, from Greece. How did he even know that they existed? He, he always quotes all the Swarm that... that uh, how did he have them available? I, I don't know how. He knew everything at such a young age. He mastered everything. So the, so the story goes that the Taz didn't want to give a haskama to the Shach because he saw that he's going to be out of business. No one's going to read the Taz anymore. The Shach is so much better. And, uh, but finally later, the, the, they were printed. The Shach was printed. So he said, the Vilni Gohan said, as an Oynish men because the Taz didn't want to give haskama. So that's why in, in Orachim, usually we pass, most of the time we pass like the Morgan Avram against the Taz, and in Yeridea, Ruba de Ruba, we pass like the Shach, and the Choshimich, but in Ebenezer, Islam is printed on the bottom of the page. And, and Orachim and Yeridea, print, he's printed where Rashi belongs. 
in the Shach and the Bhagavad Rama on the outside with Taisadun was in Khash Mishbravanaza, he's Tam on the bottom of the page. So that was his attitude. He really read uh, he really read uh, the Taz. So I printed that story when I quoted a lot of things about Rab Salvechik in the first Sefer Nefesharab that I wrote about Rab Salvechik, I wrote that story. So Shalom Zalman read the whole Sefer Nefesharab and he sent me a message, but they didn't deliver the message to me till the third edition of the Nefesharab was printed. He wanted me to leave that story out because it's a bizoyan to the Taz, which it is. And, uh, and he said, people are going to stop learning the Taz. But Shav Chalavechik uh, did. He did stop learning the Taz. But he gave me this message after the third edition was printed already. So it's too late to take it out now. There were thousands of copies in the world. But uh, the Taz can't compare to the Shach. Was that the, the only Ha'ara of Shlomo Zaman had? On the Nefesh That's the only Ha'ara that they gave me. Maybe he had many other Ha'aras. He gave the Sefer to his son, Rav Zaman Nechemia, to read. That I know. And then another one of his sons, he has a son, Shlomo Zaman has a son who lives in, in uh, no, who lives in Tel Aviv, I think. So he also read the whole Sefer, and uh, he didn't know that there were another two Swarm. So he once, had, when I was in the NCSY learning program, in Beit Meir, so he was staying in a hotel nearby. Um, I forgot what the hotel was called, something Shapira, Ramot Shapira, I think, no, I forgot what it was, Ramot Shapira, yeah. So when he saw that there's more, he said, how, how does he get the other two? So I said, I'll send it to you. Rebbe spoke earlier about the importance of learning Sugyaz Aliba de Hilchasan, that was Rav Yasha's advantage, he had already been learning that style. Rav Salavechik, Shir was Aliba de Hilchasan, impression of the briskers was, it was Lamdas and Chakiras and but it always ended up Aliba de Hilchasa? He would always say, in conclusion, what's the din in this case? So he said, the Ramam Shita is, so the boy would say, it's a din of No, the Ramam Shita is that it's Osir. We gave the explanation, and the Raiva Shita is that what the guy said, din and Gabra. He said, no, the Raiva Shita is it's Mutter. Say what they said. And we gave the explanation, it's a din and Gabra. No, he was always Makbid. He said once in Shira, my grandfather Abchaim never cleared any Chakiris. My grandfather would learn the Gemara and the Rashi and the Tosa. Then he would realize that Rashi seems to understand the Sedina Chepza, does understand Sedina Gavis. And when he wrote it up and when he delivered the Shir, he delivered in a such a way, he said, you can clear a Chakir as it A or B. And then he showed that's Rashi and Tosa. But that was only the style of presentation. But that wasn't the way he came to that conclusion. He didn't start off with Chakiris. He started off by learning the Gemara and the Rashi and the Tosa. What are the Dinah? Rabbi Salvechik always insisted you should know what are the facts in the Gemara. What does it say? What, what do Rabbi Meir say? What do Rabbi Yudas say? First you have to get straight what they said. And then you can analyze what motivated them to say. Where did it come from? What are the sources? Is it their Isa, their Rabbana? Rabbi Salvechik, when he gave Shia, when uh, the Gemara is full of machloikas. And whenever there's a machloikas, he said, they disagree on one point, but they agree on another 99 points. So let's first concentrate on the 99 points that they agree. Then we'll understand better the one point where they disagree. So he would first give us the whole background, so the Chumash and Mishnahis and everything, and then they came, it was obvious what the one point of this, after he gave a whole background, they came out as Machloik, this is about a certain definition of a certain term in the rest of the picture, but you can't take a Machloik out of context. You have to give the whole background, and then you'll understand what the Machloik is. So Rebbe would tell Bachram learning today in Yeshiva, tell people who are trying to grow to be Talmidei Chachamim, that because the impression is that you know to to have brisker lambdas to be a brisker, uh, leave the halacha to like the people who can't really learn lambdas. But the lambdas is complementing the halacha. It has to be a libedil chasa the learning. 
Avada has to be a leader the Hilchus. I remember Yeshiva has a Masmidim program that they used to give them tuition free for all the years that they go to college. Now they don't give tuition free, but they give a big break in tuition. So they have a lot of boys come to apply for that because it's a big chunk, it's worth a lot of money. So a few years ago, a boy had learned in the Miri Yeshiva in Yushan. We usually go there to sort to interview the students who want to join the Masmidim program. So a few years ago, a boy came uh, who had learned in the Mir Yeshiva. So we asked him, what did you learn? He said, the last two years he learned Pavakan. He learned. So we said, how much you cover? From cover to cover, he knows everything. So we started asking him questions. He didn't know anything about Pavakana. So I said, so how do you say it? He learned Pavakana two years. You don't know anything. Well, what are you talking about? So he said, no, he learned like Rabbarach Be'er. I said, Rabbarach Be'er knew every Gemara and every Tesis. What are you talking about? That's not Rabbi Baruch Be. They, they have this image. Rabbi Baruch Be says Pilpulim. Rabbi Soloveitchik said he met Rabbi Baruch Be. Rabbi Baruch Be knew every tesis and Gitten by heart, word for word. He said, what kind of learning is that? You have to know the facts. He can't philosophize. By Rabbi Soloveitchik, philosophize was a dirty word. I remember someone once said a swar in Shia, so Rabbi Soloveitchik said, let's not philosophize. That was a dirty word. Tur is supposed to be Tur. You're not supposed to give swaras about Absolutely, he didn't say Svaris. When he got stuck in a Gemara, he would always interpret it based on another Gemara. You see from the other Gemara that this is a certain idea, so that idea explains this Gemara also. He wouldn't make up ideas. He always explained one Gemara with another Gemara. So if somebody wanted to grow in learning Halacha, what would Rebbe recommend? Which Sefer? What, what would be the best path for the person to grow learning Halacha? You have halacha? to know first all the Gemaras and the basic Rishon. Absolutely, didn't wasn't interested in reading every Rishon. He would study Gemara Rashi Tesis and the Rambam, and then if there's a famous Rajbod, famous Rad, a famous Rush that's quoted in Shulchan Aruch, he would discuss that. He would go read it inside. He would feel it, it was a challenge for him to read a Mohammed. If the Ramban has a Mohammed, that's like climbing Mount Everest, because the Ramban starts varfing Gemara from all over the place, and he doesn't tell you where which Masechet it is. So that was a big challenge to read every line in the Mohammed and, uh, and to know what he's talking about. But like this, he wasn't interested in reading all the Rambats. If it's a famous Ramban that, uh, that's quoted in Shulchan he's going to discuss it. Otherwise, he was happy with Gemara Rashi Taisus and the Rambam. And among the Achronim, Astam Balabas, not somebody whose uh, ambition is to be a posseg. Should they learn the Mishnabura, the Kitzah Shulchan the Chayadam? Should they take the article series, the Koran series? I don't even know what series are coming out today in Allah. Someone wants to know Allah. Someone wants to be a Talmud of Rav Shechter, for Rav Shechter to be the Rebbe Muvok and to follow all the Psakim. But they have to start somewhere with a foundation. So what should they learn? I would recommend to go through the kids of Shulchan Aruch from cover to cover a few times, once a year for uh, two, three years in a row, and then to underline it, to check off when you come across a sif that you never heard of before. You, most of the dinim you know. You like to fill in every day. You know how to daven. You know how to say Krishna. Most of the dinim observant people, they're not 13 years old. They're 20 years old, 30 years old. Most of the enemy knows, and whenever you come across something that you never heard of before, say, so underline it or you check it. Then after you go through the kids of Shulchan Aruch a couple of times, if you know Gemara well enough, then the Shaykh to learn the Mishnah. If you don't know Gemara, you're going to misunderstand the Mishnah. Mishnah Bura a lot of times quotes technical terms from the Gemara, or from the Rishonim. So if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the Gemaras, you're going to misunderstand what the Mishnah Bura is arriving at. People misread the Mishnah Bura. Mr. Brewer's graduate level. Don't skip to the yeah, graduate yeah. level. Make sure that you know what you're coming Absolutely. with it first. 
want to thank Rebbe for his time. This was a tremendous conversation and very eye-opening, and uh, we're deeply appreciative, not only for this, much more significantly for everything that Rebbe does for us, for Kla Yisrael. The Rebbe Shalom has given us a huge bracha to have Rebbe as a Rebbe, as a posik, as a source of halacha. Gosh Baruch should continue to shower Rebbe with uh, good health Amen. and strength, and for many, many years we should be able to continue to learn and get guidance from Rebbe. Amen. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the Bima.